0: All right, everybody. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are at season four, episode two, Deception. Pulling up. Pulling up. All right. The opening scene. We are. We're here. Get out of the car. <laughs> Deception. Let's do it. Uh, opening. C- Open it up, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, All right. Sorry. opening scene. We're in like a school art room and we see Benson talking to a little girl named Chloe. She's drawing some pictures. Benson shows Chloe a picture that Chloe had made.
1: The whole reason that Benson's sitting there with this little girl, we find yeah.
0: out. I was like, hey, your teacher showed me this picture you drew. <laughs> so it's Chloe, her mom and her half brother Kyle. But in the picture, it looks like chloe is crying chloe and kyle have the same dad and she didn't draw the dad in the picture because he's out of town benson asked her why she drew a picture of herself sad
1: like is are you crying because your dad's out of town is that why you're crying in the picture Mm -hmm. please don't be being abused yeah and she's like no
0: and then benson asked her if she's sad because someone is hurting her and then chloe says i don't know and we're like fuck okay she's so cute i know Cut to Stabler doing a walk and talk with Chloe's teacher. Chloe's teacher says that Chloe is usually happy and outgoing, but seems withdrawn lately. And she's seen bruises on her legs. Stabler tells her that after Benson is done talking with Chloe, they need to take her to the hospital for an exam. The teacher is a little nervous about Chloe's father and what she should say to him. His name is Lawrence Fuller. He's a corporate mogul type and a, quote, yeller.
1: (laughs) She does that look over her glasses and goes, Lawrence Fuller eyebrows staves is like fuller telecom guy's name's on my cable bill and i'm like oh great craigen's go. gonna be like tread lightly people mm-hmm. i don't pay for hbo fucking chill out on this guy <laughs> no craigen craigen's by the book i shouldn't even say that about him
0: yeah well if they were poor he'd be like bash their heads in
1: <laughs> or That's whatever
0: true. <laughs> Chloe's mother's name is Gloria Stanfield. She's an like a famous actress. They are high profile people and the teacher is just giving Stabler fair warning because they're gonna have to deal with a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Back in the art room, Chloe tells Benson that she's sad in the picture because her mom loves Kyle more than her. And Benson's like, I'm sure they... She loves you just the same. She's like, no, her mom reads to Kyle in his room all the time, but doesn't with her. They close the door and she's not allowed. And of course, we're like, oh, Jesus. She went in one time because she thought she heard her mom cry, but they were, quote, playing in bed with no clothes on.
1: And I'm like, oh, my God. -yuck." Yuck. Fucking theme song. In the hospital... We have a new lady doctor. She's telling Benson and Stabler that Chloe's exams didn't show any sexual abuse. The doctor thinks that the bruises on Chloe's shins and knees are pretty typical for a little kid. Chloe does have some healed tibia and wrist fractures, but she didn't remember how she got them. They're walking into the lobby, and they see Chloe's dad throwing a fit at the front counter. This is actor Tom Mason. He'll be back in 2004. If you're a party of five, Stan, you'll recognize him as Joe Mangus. I'm not, so I didn't. I've never the show. But... I've, n- I've never watched it either, but I remember there was um, a listener who had been like, you did not recognize that that person was in Gilmore Girls. And I was like, oh. So when there's a big role, I'm like, I just got to say it. His credits go all the way back into the 70s. My favorite, though, of his credits is from a show where he plays Detective Sergeant Tim Freebie Walker in a 1980 show called Freebie and the Bean. (laughs) Freebie and the Bean. (laughs) Sounds like a terrible drive time morning show. (laughs) Yeah. He comes over to Benson and Stabler and says that the school told him to go to the hospital. He wants to know where his daughter is, if she's okay, what the fuck is going on. Stabler tells him to calm down and that she's not hurt, but she said some
0: stuff at school that might mean there's some trubs at home. I don't know why I said trubs. I like And it like it. auto auto corrected to like something else, and I like had to force it to say trubs.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> But I like it. Ugh, I love any abreave, so. (laughs) Benson and Stabler are then just like, we were hoping you would fill us in on what's up. They ask when Chloe broke her leg and her wrist, and he's like, oh, she was three and she fell off a slide. What the fuck? Stabler tells him that they brought her to the hospital based on the drawing and the stuff that she said to Benson about there being a sexual relationship between his wife and his son. So mom is his son's stepmom. Mm -hmm. We've got that like fully tucked away. I'm not excusing anything. I'm just saying it was a different can of worms before i found out it was the stepson anyway
0: it's it's still a gross slimy can of worms but it's yeah
1: yeah so dad's obviously super confused and mad he's like looking off trying to figure it out still answering their questions but like chloe must have made it up that she saw them in bed together because that wouldn't happen and they're like where's your wife right now and he's like she's in the hamptons antique shopping
0: which sounds amazing by the way it sounds
1: so great (laughs) They continue to question him. He continues to be befuddled. His head's probably ringing. He's like, I, I bet had- the
0: Hamptons antiquing has insane prices.
1: Oh, it's probably just all like old Tiffany lamps and shit. Ugh, that bothers me. And silks. He tells them that he has had zero indication that his wife and his son are having sex. But you better fucking believe that I'm going to find out what the fuck is going on here. This guy mm. is, I believe him. Yeah. (laughs) I believe that he is finding out everything right now. And I like that he's not cool
0: with it. Yeah. I like that he's like not fully in denial that it could happen.
1: Yeah. And Benson tells him to relax and let them do the investigating. Hey, guy, your wife is banging your teenage son probably, but like be cool about it. Okay. Like, when you guys have dinner tonight, just, like, be chill. Could you chill out? Could you just, like, <laughs> uncomfortably clank your silverware like every other waspy family that's mad at each other? <laughs> I <dragged> Dodge Stratus. <laughs> I hate you, both. <laughs> anyway, the dad's like, fucking, you guys can keep investigating all you want. I'm taking Chloe home. In the squad room, Chloe's brother Kyle's school
0: records show normal behavior until about second grade when his mom was killed in a car accident
1: oh that is my i say this a lot i think anytime something bad happens but that's my worst fear for my kids like surprise your parents are dead right Ugh. so in fifth grade
0: he got worse he had a loss of appetite sudden outburst, and fighting that was the same year his dad married gloria stanfield his stepmom munch says that the stepmom could have pulled a quote woody allen and i forgot how long ago that was uh toots points out that Kyle turned 17 last month and it's not illegal to sleep with a 17-year-old. Right now, at this moment, they aren't breaking any laws. Benson is pissed and saying that Glory is pretty much Kyle's mom and mm-hmm. is taking advantage of her control over him. Toots says, quote, unless he's a normal teenager who's just happy to be banging an actress, and then I'm like, can you talk ding, about ding, the... Ding, the- ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding,
1: ding, 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 ding. Cancel your plans this weekend, Toots. You've gotta... <laughs> I work in the fucking SVU. I need to understand consent about abusive minors certificate to earn. Hashtag we <laughs> Weekend course. You need to go and figure this shit out. You're in the fucking SVU. I know. God, how does that not get you at least written up? A Craig and going. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
0: Like teenage boys can be abused too. You know.
1: You're you're minimizing the position of an abused possible victim of child abuse because of a fucking
0: patriarchal bullshit where it's like all oh, dudes want to <laughs> do. It. It's yeah, yeah. It's
1: like he may have been ten, but he wanted to fuck his mom. Like. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's gross. It is gross. It's disgusting. And then Benson's Benson's like quote if nothing else, that environment is unhealthy for that little girl. And then I mm-hmm. thought, Oh my god, is this gonna be another Benson episode where there's like a famous actress lady and Benson's like zeroes in on the daughter and gets all weird and we're like chill out.
1: And we're like, We've seen this one.
0: Yeah. Benson completely believes Chloe. They need to find a complaining witness before Gloria gets back into town and hears that they're on to her and circles the wagons. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. Nobody has cell phones. Yeah. (laughs) So Daddy C sends Munch and Toots to go talk to Kyle and Benson and Stabler are going to go try and talk to any hired help Gloria and Lawrence have. Kragan wants discretion, of course. The longer they keep this out of the papers, the better.
1: At Hunter Academy, private high school, Munch and Toots find Kyle outside school with a couple of his buddies. This kid looks sexy with his hair pushed back. It's fucking Aaron Samuels, Regina George's boyfriend, Mean Girls. It's October 3rd. Oh, fucking that's who he was. Yeah. This dude, IRL, Jonathan Bennett, works a fuck ton, but I'll always remember being disappointed to find out that he's gay as if I had a chance with those fucking eyebrows when he was (laughs) in Mean Girls. Oh, but anyway, yeah, it's Aaron Samuels. Hmm. This is one of his like earliest roles. He actually did this role in 2002. And then in 2004, he was in Mean Girls. So anyway, Munch and Toots, they're at Hunter Academy. I'm completely distracted that this is Aaron Samuels. But in this, he is Kyle. He's Lawrence's son. He is going to be questioned for uh, the possibility of being abused by his stepmom. So they ask kyle if they can talk to him alone and kyle's confused he's like what's this about everything at home is totally fine they tell him that they're with the svu and they investigate child abuse and had already talked to chloe he gets super upset he's like oh my god is chloe being abused are you guys saying that chloe's being abused and they're like actually we're worried about you chloe told us that you and your stepmom are sleeping in the same bed and he's like "Uh, that's gross she's been my stepmom since i was like 10 you guys that's, that's, a, sick. that's all suck that's super sick that's not what's happening at my house
0: <laughs> he didn't say it like that at all he was just like he you, didn't what? No. I don't know why yeah he gotta was just like school, I gross
1: I have class like, oh
0: my god that's fucking suck
1: <laughs> I gotta go hop on the 405 to the 10 and get to school <laughs> But yeah, he's like, there's no way we're sleeping together. This isn't true. This is ridiculous. Hitting the quad or whatever. He had to go to school. At Lawrence's house, the family home, Benson and and are talking to their housekeeper.
0: She's like a sweet little like Minerva McGonagall type, like Maggie Smith. Mm. Yes. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Her
1: accent also kind of veers into Mrs. Doubtfire territory, RIP mm-hmm. to such a problematic movie that I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, also Robin Williams. Yeah. It just sucks that Mrs. Doubtfire is like what it is.
0: I haven't seen it in so long and I'm like, don't want to. I'm scared.
1: Oh, it's just transphobia. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not. There's some really. Just... Hello. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's all. So this woman, this housekeeper, she is super Maggie Smith. I looked her up and ended up watching a trailer for a 1982 movie she was in called Eating Raul, where she and her husband have swinger parties at their house and murder them for their money to open a restaurant. It looks fucking awesome. Have you Whoa. seen it? No. I need you to watch the trailer of Eating Raoul later. Write it down. Put it on a piece of paper. R-A-O-U-L. She plays this nurse kind of, it's so early 80s, late 70s. But I'm watching the trailer. I'm mid taking notes and I'm like, I can't stop to watch this fucking movie. Yeah. So she doesn't. Re- She's not really British. So her accent's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But she tells Benson and Stabler, my contract contains a confidentiality clause. She says <laughs> Just that, like that. Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> says that Miss Stanfield is an excellent employer. She won't say any more, though. Benson and Stabler say there's they're having one of those. We're trying to intimidate you into doing what we want conversations in front of her. So they're mm-hmm. like, there's probably a bunch of under the table cash payments. Maybe we should check it out with the IRS. Well, if we find any truth about what Chloe says, uh, her boss is going down. Oh, and you will, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah,
0: she's like, oh, dear. And she breaks down. (laughs) (laughs) She clutches her giant brooch.
1: (laughs) <laughs> that sits upon her amber bosom. So ample bosom. Did you say amber bosom? <laughs> ample. Did I say amber? Ample. She breaks oh. and says that she saw Kyle and Miss Stanfield together once a few weeks ago. She walked into the room and Miss Stanfield was kissing Kyle, but not the way a mom kisses a son. Twas only a moment. I hardly saw anything. Silver's so like anything you saw enough, and I'm like me too. <laughs> Benson has to answer her phone. Turns out Gloria Stanfield's back in town, and she's at her lawyer's office. Benson goes, "Uh, our presence is kindly requested. Mm -hmm. And Stabler's like, "Uh," and they're both like, "Uh," to each other. (laughs) (laughs) They they were. They were like that. (laughs)
0: So at Gloria's fucking lawyer's office, it seems that Benson and Stabler have been waiting for a bit and look a little irritated. Mm -hmm. Like Benson's looking at her imaginary watch. Yeah. Gloria's lawyer takes them into his office and she's on the phone and she like smiles and waves like, hi. Which is super weird.
1: Yeah. She's truly... Stunning, truly stunning, Sherilyn Fenn. She was in a bunch of episodes of Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls and Ray Donovan. Fifty-five mm. episodes of a show called *Rude Awakening* from the late '90s, of which I know nothing about. But I watched mm-hmm. the trailer or the like, the intro to it, where it's like, "This is the '90s, and we tell a little story about the show before the show starts." Ah, everywhere you look—that's every '90s show. <laughs> Oh, and she played Audrey Horn on a little show
0: called Twin Peaks. I knew I fucking recognized that mole. You know how many people wanted that mole tattooed? A lot, and I get it. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh. I mean, I knew you would know it. I've never watched Twin Peaks pause for gasping and i know it's an amazing show i've been told it's like an incredible show and everybody loved it and people were obsessed with it and the only thing i know about it is that they parodied it on sesame street and they had like puppets and it was called twin beaks and it was about birds (laughs) with two beaks (laughs) whoa anyway so they're at gloria's lawyer's office benny and staves just walked in it's, she smiles
0: and waves mm-hmm. she says that she's not having a sexual relationship with her stepson Chloe is a child and just made it up and then uh, Benson's like well there's a few adult witnesses saying that they saw you and Kyle kissing and she's like I kiss everyone and then I'm like can I what, what if you just ugh, whatever what um, just, what if I just want people like oh, oh, hi <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know what I mean <laughs> like, see she was so hot she's like I kiss everyone and I'm like uh <laughs> She says
0: Chloe probably got the idea from like TV or one of her old movies, and insists that she would never hurt Kyle. Mm-hmm. In Cragen's office, they basically have nothing—no complaining witness or physical evidence. Cabot and Cragen need more than just Benson's hunch. Mm-hmm. All Cabot can do is get a hold of child services and have a file started on Gloria. Stabler comes in, he's like, You're never gonna believe this, you guys.
1: <laughs> he comes in, he <laughs> slides in on a rolling office
0: chair and goes, Bitch, <gasps> bitch. <laughs> yeah. There's a domestic disturbance at Chloe's school. Gloria and her husband are fighting over who gets to take Chloe. At Chloe's school, Lawrence and Gloria are like hard fighting. They're fucking super angry. Gloria doesn't want Chloe to go with him because of how angry he gets. Lawrence is pissed and saying that Gloria raped his son and who knows what she's done to Chloe mm-hmm. he says that she's disgusting and doesn't deserve to be a mother and they're just like going at it. there's just like this one cop that's like what the fuck you know Benson and Stabler are really trying to break this up Lawrence literally Stabler said to him shut up <laughs> Lawrence lunges at Gloria and says if she touches his kids again he'll kill her and Stabler is not having threats like that thrown around mm-hmm. he's like you need to calm down he was like okay okay and I was I was like okay this guy really is like fucking Mm -hmm. like i believed him you know yeah yeah gloria says i'm the abuser he hits me and he hits the kids you should investigate that benson's like you know what you guys can fight it out in family court but the state's taking the kids now and they're both like no yeah and benson grabs chloe and takes her through the room and outside and gloria and lawrence are losing it obviously yeah stabler calls munch and tells him to do an emergency removal of kyle
1: At Kyle's school, the bell is ringing and all the kids are coming outside. Munch and Toots don't see Kyle, but they do see his buddies. These fucking dorks I know. I, oh my I know. god they both uh, go on to do a decent amount of acting but i'm gonna reduce them to my faves okay one was kid with travel stenographer on the Chappelle show and the other was bully on an episode of arrested development their names in this episode are Sajiv and brian and brian looks like he's a 35 year old stockbroker <laughs> he does and the thing that made me think they were even bigger dorks is that they're talking about kyle's relationship with his stepmother mm-hmm. and they're just like <laughs> the whole time just like yeah. perpetuating that it's cool for a, an adult woman to abuse an underage boy right so what do they call that uh, uh a where's aphibophilia. my wong knowledge they tell mention toots that kyle left already and they're like but what are you investigating Munch and Toots ask how well Kyle gets along with his dad and eyebrows stepmom. And they're like, well, (laughs) Gloria's... open and she likes having us dudes around she doesn't <laughs> care if we look at her <laughs> she's always giving us back robes <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like fucking little
0: tween it turns a little fucking tween dorks it's and like, they're
1: like they're like giggle looking at each other <laughs> yeah it's like she's wearing clothes but you can see right through them <laughs> like i got tuck my boater into
0: my belt <laughs> i don't know what to do with it yet <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're like it's cool though, cause she's not Kyle's real mom. So, <laughs> yeah, one of them was like,
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they were porking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <was> fucking stupid. <laughs> so dumb. It's
1: funny because they're stupid.
0: <laughs> in the squad room, Benson, Stabler, and Craigan are doing a little walk and talk. They let Craigan know that ACS took Chloe to an aunt and uncles in like in the area. Mm-hmm. Munch and Toots are still looking for Kyle. and tells Benson and Stabler that their day isn't over yet and hands them a slip of paper. And then the music gets all swelly. Here we are at the Fuller house, you know, the family house, everybody. Here we are at the Fuller house. The cops are everywhere. It wasn't a robbery and someone knew the code to get in.
1: Oh my God, I really want to make a Fuller house joke about how Michelle's not coming. Sorry, I was going to leave it and just... <laughs> Get it, Fuller House. Okay, go. uh The rest of the family is
0: gone, and Lawrence is on the floor in a row, beat to shit with a bashed-in skull. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa. It looks like he put up a fight. The murder weapon looks like it's cylindrical, about two to three inches in diameter. Munch holds up a bloody baseball bat he found under Kyle's bed.
1: This is where my predictions start to come in, okay? All Mm. I said here was, it cannot be this simple. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. I think I have a I think I have a prediction. I have a few things building yeah. throughout. So we can hit those as But I we go. feel like
0: no matter what we knew it wasn't Kyle,
1: you know? At this well, at this point I was like, it can't be that simple. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't anticipate what it ended up being. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So the doorman says that Lawrence came in around eight PM. Gloria left around 20 minutes later. Then Kyle left about 15 minutes later. He says Kyle seemed pretty upset. The back inside doors of the building are locked and have alarms. And no one comes in and out without signing in. Toots takes the sign-in book. And then, oh my god, Toots turns around and Kyle walks up to him all beat up and asks what's going on.
1: As if he doesn't have a gigantic hematoma on the side of his fucking head. Hey guys, what's (laughs) up? What is going on? What's what's up? Toots is like,
0: hey, your dad's dead. Sorry. And Kyle's first reaction is, where's Gloria? Mm -hmm. Toots doesn't know, but he thinks that he's taken his dad's death suspiciously well.
1: Yeah. We cut to Stabler interviewing our British housekeeper, asking Mm -hmm. where she was today. It's my day off. I stopped by to check on Miss Stenfield and the front door was open. I came in, found Mr. Fuller. And he's like, well, why were you checking on her? Well... She called after you took Chloe. She was so upset. I wanted to make sure she was all right. He's like, well, where was she calling from? I assumed here. Yeah. There was no one else in the apartment. She couldn't have. She couldn't have done these things, det- No. <laughs> she couldn't. <laughs> she couldn't have done these, detective. It's not. <laughs> Possible. It's not possible. This woman does not have a British accent.
0: Yeah. Munch and Toots and Kyle are in an interrogation room. They're like,
1: how'd you get that black
0: guy? Two seconds after dad was murdered. He said it was from gym class. Of course, they're not buying it. He looks like he fucking got punched in the fucking face. Like yeah. hard. Yeah. Like with a hand holding a giant rock or something.
1: Just like a meaty mitt. Just like fucking... Yeah.
0: Brooks' husband's hand. Lou Ferrigno just came out of yeah. nowhere. Just plowed yeah. him in the side of the head they ask if, if his dad started hitting him and he defended himself and he says no and then he didn't kill his dad he's like i just went for a walk but i know gloria didn't kill my dad they ask kyle how many school uniforms he has he says he has six and that the one he wore today he changed out of when he got home and munch is like eh, bloodstains kind of clash with the school colors huh craig knocks on the door and calls munch and toots out he tells them that they need to hold off on asking Kyle questions because he lawyered up. You see Gloria and her lawyer walk into the squad room and Kragen starts showing
1: the lawyer to Kyle's interrogation room. You know who this fucking guy looks like? Who? He looks just like Uncle Frank from Home Alone. Because it is. Don't roll your eyes. It is. He played a creeper, child-abusing government employee, Craig Prince, in season two. Yeah. This episode is the Home Alone 2 Lost in New York of SVU episodes. Oh, my God. Because it really is Uncle Frank. When he came onto the screen, I was like, come on.
0: And then I looked it up, and I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it is. It's him. Good. Oh, my God. I don't know this fucking guy. I do not know this person. Oh, look what you did,
1: you little jerk. (laughs) 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 Uh, Buzz, your girlfriend. (laughs) Okay. Honey, it's real silver. Put it in your
0: purse. <laughs> That's not even a good quote. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, Stabler's like, why, why is this not a conflict of interest, considering Gloria is a suspect as well? The lawyer says that if charges are filed, then Kyle gets a new lawyer. Until then, there's no conflict. Right. Gloria says she'll answer any questions they have without her attorney present. Obviously, her attorney's like, um, but like, don't. I'd rather you didn't. She says she has nothing to hide, and Benson and Stabler take her into an interrogation room. Mm-hmm. In the interrogation room, Gloria tells Benny and Stabes that she had no idea what happened. She said she went to a hotel. She didn't want to be near Lawrence after seeing how angry he was at the school. She went home to grab some things, and Kyle was there, and she tried to explain to him what was happening, and Kyle got very angry. She's like, setting fucking Kyle up. You can see it. Mm -hmm. Lawrence walked in and they started fighting and he pushed Kyle. She said she couldn't take anymore and she just left. And then Stabler's like, you just left this angry dad with the kid? And she's like, whenever I try to stop it, it only makes it worse. She tells them to check with the Hotel Sienna. They'll tell them when she checked in. She insists that she did not kill Lawrence. She has no reason to. And Benson's like, "Um, what about the kids and all the money? She says that Lawrence made her sign a prenup. So all the money goes to Kyle and Chloe in trust that she's not allowed to touch. But she also doesn't think that Kyle killed his dad. Somebody else must have. Yeah, this
1: is where my theory comes in. This bitch groomed Kyle to kill her husband. So Mm -hmm. if she marries the son and he has this trust, she could change the paperwork as Kyle's wife. Mm -hmm. And have all the money. But then she'll kill him in like a year so that she can get the money. This is my working theory.
0: Right. On the other side of the glass, in Cregan's haunted sunken pirate
1: ship... (laughs) You're really going to beat that getting the bends joke to death, aren't you? <laughs> not, I didn't even think of that. We're down here deep in the ocean.
0: I just saw Cabot and like all these sharks swimming by and ghosts. And, <laughs> and
1: ghosts. Yeah, it's a haunted, sunken pirate And shark skeletons.
0: Yep. <laughs> it's very like Scooby-Doo in my head. Like the art, the animation is scooby doo
1: Yeah, it's just Mario to me.
0: <laughs> Cabot asks Craig and who looks good for the arrest, but so far it seems that Gloria and Kyle are covering for each other. Either one of them could have used that bat. Munch says that Kyle probably came back to the crime scene to pick up the murder weapon. Turns out Kyle's prints are on the baseball bat. Cabot says, arrest him. Munch and Toots bust into Kyle's interrogation room. They arrest him for his dad's murder. They're walking through the precinct and Gloria is pissed, saying that Kyle is innocent. Toots tells her she's the only other suspect, so she has a confession. Now's the time to say it. Gloria tells Kyle not to say anything. She's going to go get another lawyer.
1: At the arraignment hearing, Mariska Hargitay's future husband's chiseled ass jaw is there for the defense. Kyle pleads not guilty. Cabot asks for remand because this dude has no work or familial responsibilities and has unlimited access to money. Kyle's lawyer, Trevor Langan, says that Kyle is only 17 and has strong ties to his stepmom and five-year-old sister. Cabot says that Chloe's currently living with relatives pending an investigation of Gloria. Trevor says that Kyle's never been in trouble before so come on the judge sets mm-hmm. the bail at a million bucks and puts a hold on his passport
0: you see Kyle get like really upset by that they like kind of zoom into his face yeah. and they said the passport thing you're like where are you going shut up
1: <laughs> gavel slam they all reconvene together cabot tells benson and stabler it'll take him five seconds to get the bail together benson thinks gloria is a co-conspirator and cabot's like cool find me some evidence. Benson and Stabler want to look into Gloria's hotel room for Kyle's school uniform. He was wearing it when he killed Lawrence. So Cabot's like, all right, well, I guess I'll get a warrant for the hotel room that you can just Mm -hmm. walk into then. I wonder what's (laughs) going to happen. I
0: know. All right. At the Siena Hotel, Benson and Stabler and some not-helmeted cops show the front desk (laughs) dude the warrant for Gloria's room. He says they can give him a key, but she's not in. He apparently arranged for a car to take them to JFK. Benson's like, hold on, them? She had her son with her, and he smiles and says, he was young, but I'm sure he wasn't her son. Not the way they were acting. Because that would be gross. (laughs) Right. In the squad room, the whole gang's trying to figure out where the fuck these butts are going. Where you at, butts? So far, they haven't found their names on any manifest. There's no credit card activity, so they had to have paid cash for the tickets. Benson holds your hands up. and She finds out that they flew to Dulles at 11 a.m. in the morning, which is in D.C., right?
1: Well, yeah, because Craigan's like, D.C., why would they be going there? We find out later. Yeah, but
0: they're already back. They landed in JFK two hours ago. I'm like, what the fuck is going on?
1: Ooh, I forgot to put this in my notes. I put, ooh, I bet they went and got married. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. Back at the Siena Hotel, the front desk is showing Benson, Stabler, Kyle, and Gloria's room. He sees, like, they may be in there. Benson and Stabler bust in and turn on the lights and you hear Kyle go, don't come in here. (laughs) Like, like, like a teen getting caught schwacking and his mom's like, you clean towel. Oh, my God. You know, like, (laughs) you see him and Gloria naked in bed. At first you see him, like, on top of her. and You see his back and you're like,
1: ew. Ew.
0: (laughs) So gross. I know. Stabler tells Kyle that he fucking blew it by leaving the jurisdiction because he was told not to by the judge. Gloria said they didn't do anything wrong. And Benson tells them to get the fuck up and have the lawyer meet them downtown at the station. And then here was what I wrote. Oh, my God. Did they fly to D.C. to get married or something? Mm -hmm. That's what I. Yeah. Right after I wrote that, Kyle just says, we don't have to do anything for you. We're married now. I was like, gross. And she's like kissing his fucking shoulder.
1: Oh, yeah. Ew. Stop acting like a couple. You. Ew. Yeah. Oh, that poor kid, though.
0: I know. In the interrogation room, Benson and Stabler walk in and Gloria asks where Kyle is. They're fighting with the lawyer about how Kyle and her are married now and about how they don't believe that she waited until he was turned 17 to start boning and that for sure she was abusing him. She's like, I never abused him. We're in love. And I'm like, fucking eye roll. Stabler says, you're in love with a boy you've raised since he was 10 years old. Sweetheart, that's not love. That's pedophilia.
1: When he says that, he does that cocky squat that he does, you know, or he like gets- gets down next to her face
0: <laughs> she says nothing happened until after he was 17 bullshit that was a month ago she says she'll take the blame she was lonely Lawrence hadn't touched her in over a year kyle only wants her to be happy and she wants that for him too and you can see fucking stabler's face <laughs>
1: yeah Keenus's oh my god face. he's
0: yeah he's like this gross bitch is nuts that's the face wait just hang like-
1: on i took a okay i took a video of it and i'm gonna post it if someone knows how to make a gif out of like a piece of a video i'm gonna need that um <laughs> because the face that stabler is making could easily replace gabe's hard blinking guy like it's very <laughs> it gives the same energy as this this guy the blink blink
0: yeah. yeah, Gloria says she didn't do anything wrong They're not even blood related Stabler is saying that they did this so that they don't have to Testify against each other in court mm-hmm. Now
1: they don't have to tell the truth about Who killed Lawrence So Cabot and lawyer Trevor are arguing with the judge about Kyle leaving the jurisdiction and coming back. Cabot tells the judge that the reason they left was to go to Virginia to get married where non-residents can get licenses without blood tests or waiting periods. And Judge Ridenauer's mustache goes, you skipped town to get married? (laughs) Virginia also (laughs) allows someone under the age of 18 to get married with permission of a legal guardian. Ew, because Kyle was marrying his legal guardian. So fucked up. Yeah. The judge says the bail's revoked and Kyle's remanded. And then he looks at Kyle and goes, congratulations on your nuptials, young man. Ew. (laughs) Kyle's face was like... (laughs) Benson, Stabler, and Cabot are now doing a walk and talk. Gloria's sticking to her story about nothing happening till after Kyle was 17. Cabot's like, cut her loose because I can only deal with the facts. The media is all over the courthouse steps. Reporters are asking them a ton of questions. One catches them off guard and says does glorious pregnancy have any effect on the child abuse allegations (gasps) what okay
0: okay hold on so this is where I have another prediction okay okay so I says so I says to him I says (laughs) So what's going to happen is they are going to find out she's over a month pregnant, and she has already said that Lawrence hadn't touched her in over a year, and that will prove she abused Kyle before he was 17. That's all I had. That's it.
1: Stabler grabs the reporter because they need to find out how he knows if that's accurate. Mm -hmm. This fucking guy... And I'm not mm-hmm. this guying because I know him, but because he is such a character in this scene.
0: Yeah, he nailed whatever the fuck he was doing.
1: Yeah, I, I did look him up, though. And I found that in SVU, he plays a reporter a bunch of times. And then I also found out that there are other people that play the same reporter, even if they're not highlighted at all. They're just outside the courthouse or whatever. I love that they use the same people for years in these seemingly insignificant roles. They may not even really speak, but they're an Easter egg for stands you know what Mm i mean yeah yeah i know that guy i mean there was one that i saw who was in this episode that i think has been in the show the entire time because i think his credits go to like 2019 or something anyway i just i thought that was interesting so this little shit this cocky little fucker he's chewing his gum super hard yeah and he's like he's like a little messy looking like yeah He's, like, up in Stabler's face because Stabler pulled him aside. And he goes, don't give me this intimidation crap, First Amendment. I'm a journalist. Benny makes fun of the paper that he works for because it's, like, tabloidy or whatever. And he goes, Huh, you guys are just pissed because I got the goods before you. Cha, 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 cha. The, t- <laughs>
0: <laughs> the dude- <laughs> he has a cigar or a carrot, maybe even. <laughs>
1: The dude will not give up his sources, but says she's three months along and knows that Kyle's a dad. Cabot's like, Mm. how do you know that, you little piece of shit? He says Mm -hmm. he knows because she brought Kyle with her to the appointment. And then he looks Cabot up and down. Oh, he looks Cabot up and down and says, use your brains, honey. Why else would she marry a kid? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I love Cabot's face the entire time they were talking to him. Like, he literally, like, means nothing. She was just, like, looking at him like, how do you even know this? Like, her face. She was just like, this guy's a joke.
1: When he looked up and down and, like, walked away all sassy, she was kind of looking back and forth between Benson and Stabes like, are we all embarrassed for him? Or (laughs) Yeah, it was like, this fucking guy, right? Am I right? What a loser. What a loser. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) In
0: Riker's Island, Munch and Toots walk into a cell where Kyle is sitting and Munch says, Heard you're going to
1: be a daddy. Is that true?
0: Kyle's lawyer tells him not to answer that.
1: Yeah, Trevor Langan.
0: Yeah. Is that Benson's real husband in real life or no? Okay, That's who he is. Okay. Kyle's lawyer tells him not to answer that. Toots says, Why not? It's not going to incriminate him, just his mom. Kyle says, Gloria's my wife. And Munch grabs him by the shoulders and said, Look at that. That's fatherly pride. Ugh. Kyle's lawyer says that there is no way Kyle can know who the father is.
1: So then they asked if Gloria told him he was the dad. And he was like, um, she's my wife now. And I don't have to tell you anything she told me after we were married. Right.
0: On the street, Benson opens the door for a smiling Gloria as she gets out holding all these shopping bags. And she's like, thank you, Detective Benson fucking bitch
1: she goes and they say chivalry's dead oh my god i just I read this article about chivalry and the intentions behind it the other day and i can't go off on another thing but I maybe i can post it or something for anybody who's confused about feminism and male savior bullshit mm-hmm. benson asks her if she's shopping for her husband's funeral
0: or maternity clothes glory says hmm, a little bit of both Ugh. they want her to take a paternity test and she says why so you can prove i had sex with kyle before he was 17 and i was like oh my god <gasps> she she knows i thought that oh my god
1: game's grabbing the edge of her desk she's like here we go oh my god uh she tells him to
0: contact her attorney and he'll set up the test and then i'm like what is happening there's 15 more minutes left that's a lot of time for shit to happen in the crime lab turns out lawrence and kyle are both not the father what benson gets a call gloria's in the hospital she's been raped twist in the hospital the doctor is telling benson and stabler that gloria came in about an hour ago contusions to her thighs and upper arms the rape kit was positive for fluids and then i'm like oh my god was it one of kyle's dummy friends that was like i love you gloria you can be with me Kyle. benson and stabler go into the room that gloria is in she's sitting there in like the little robe thing or whatever robe thing yeah They ask her who did this to her. She says she doesn't know. Stabler says he doesn't believe her. She knows who did it because she was sleeping with him. Benson tells Gloria that every word that comes out of her mouth has been a lie. And then I'm kind of like, chill, you guys. She's still a victim. You know, Mm -hmm. she says Frank Barbarossa. They had a fling and she ended it about a month ago. She thought he was over it. She says he's the father of the baby. When Frank found out she married Kyle, he went nuts. Originally, she really thought Kyle had killed Lawrence, but she was trying to protect him. But now she thinks that Frank did it. Frank told Gloria that she had to stop playing games with people. And if she couldn't understand that, he would do the same thing to her he did to Lawrence.
1: And she's like crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, who the fuck is Frank? Yeah. So we go to the gym. OK, mm-hmm. Munch and Toots are walking around this boxing gym, whatever. It's like a st- Stupid looking little Jim looking for Frank to arrest him. They find him. He swears he didn't rape her. OK, I swear this is the last person I'm looking up. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? How do I know him? Why do I know his face so fucking hard? Frank Barbarossa, Barbarella or whatever is played by Frank Grillo, who fucking plays. I'm not kidding. Frank Campana as the cage fighting coach who brings Brendan Conlon back from obscurity to fight to keep his house, who then ends up fighting his AWOL from the Marines brother, Tom Hardy, who's coached by the recovering alcoholic father, Nick Nolte. Feel the Beethoven. It is such a great fucking movie. I love that movie. Warrior. 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 Did I not even say that? I didn't even say that.
0: I heard I heard field of Beethoven
1: feel the Beethoven that's what he says oh. he like plays classical music while Brendan who has no chance underdog hardcore he's too old he's too soft for this for this life How old anymore because I love Tom Hardy oh my fucking god god probably like 10 years or something I got Tom it. Hardy is like my you've never seen war- <laughs> I love Tom Hardy's so- Merch. I know I've talked about it because if I need a good fucking cry, I just watch that movie because the end when he's like, Oh God, I love you, Tommy. Oh my fucking God. It's so good.
0: Oh my God. Fucking Tom Hardy, dude. I know. Oh, I've never seen it.
1: Oh, you've got to watch
0: it. Okay. So Craig's reflection on the other side of the glass is my entire life. Did you see it? No, you didn't see it. Oh my no. God. It was so intense. It was, he was looking at Frank, but it was just his fucking huge face. looking in like and (laughs) then Munch was off in the corner I was like that's the epitome of behind the glass Mm, that's the cover of the book yes on the other side of the glass Toots tells Craig that Frank doesn't have a record he's a personal trainer and three of his clients live in Glorious Building he was in the building the night of the murder the doorman didn't mention it because Frank is always in and out of the building mm-hmm. he was there at another client's Greta zaburg but she said the session only lasted an hour so according to the sign-in book there's a half hour unaccounted for Munch and Toots like, bust into Frank's interrogation room and he stands up and he's completely freaked out and wants to know what happened to Gloria he thinks that she was raped Munch is like oh yeah you're one of the guys that likes to see their handiwork huh? and shows him pictures of Gloria and her injuries he's like I love her I would never do this
1: he goes why would you guys think this was me and it cuts to toots and he goes because she fangered you (laughs) i was i was just as excited to hear toots say fanger again as i was (laughs) to see uncle frank (laughs) they show
0: him the statement which includes that she said he would kill her like she killed lawrence
1: yeah, then they go on about how the jury won't believe him at all. You know, he's the jealous personal trainer of the rich and famous and wants something mm-hmm. that he can't have, da 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 like it's the perfect narrative.
0: Yep. And this dude gets like super confused and then gets mad and says <laughs>
1: He goes what? He, he's like figuring it out, he's hearing it, and then he goes, That stupid bitch. And then he jumps up and he's like that bitch i'm gonna kill her
0: and toots is like nope. F- fucking sit down yeah. frank's pissed and he's like i want a lawyer like now so in the squad room munch says that the legal aid is backed up and frank won't get a lawyer until this evening benson says she's got the luds on frank's cell phone he got a call the night of lawrence's murder at 8:40. the call came from a payphone in a deli across the street it had to have been gloria but they have to figure out why she would call him minutes before her husband was killed munch and toots are at brennan's deli they show the counter guy a picture i love this guy by the way they Mm -hmm. show the counter guy a picture of gloria and he's like you know i've seen her around the neighborhood the last time he saw her was a few nights ago and asked for her autograph and she acted like he was stalking her and he says screw her not that good of an actress anyways (laughs) he says she made a phone call on a payphone then she watched out the window for a few minutes made one more call then left He thinks she was waiting for someone to come out of the building across the street, which is her building, by the way. Munch asked the dude if he happened to eavesdrop on the conversations and he legit says, no, man. And I tried. (laughs) I was like, I love you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this dude is super recognizable. I said I wasn't going to look anybody up again after Frankie Frankie Frank Franks. But this is actor Ray Ian Acelli. He's basically been in everything you've ever seen, and we've already seen him in two other episodes of SVU, and we will see him once more in the future. Okay.
0: In the crime lab, Benson and Stabler are told by the hot bomb squad lab guy, whatever, that something is wrong with the DNA from the rape kit. All the sperm tails are bent, which apparently means that the sperm was frozen, so it couldn't have come from a rape. Mm -hmm. The guy says, unless the guy shooting through ice and like i hate when people refer to jizz as shooting through stuff like shooting (laughs) like it's just super weird to me like i don't know right
1: because their dicks are guns second amendment don't take my gun or my dick (laughs) right taking my gun is like taking my dick no more missing dicks they've got fucking signs out front of the what (laughs) the amendment store
0: (laughs) (laughs) the amendment store you can do that online now um (laughs) It's, it's funny because this is like... <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't... That was okay. Uh, like, this is a lab tech. A lab guy. And yeah. he's like, shooting through ice. And, oh, yeah. Just fucking... I don't know. The DNA for sure is Frank's, though. Mm-hmm. And his DNA matches the paternity test. There's also... Hold on. There's also a presence of spermicide from the rape kit sample.
1: Which tells them...
0: Gloria saved a condom from one of the times she had sex with Frank. Freezes it. Plants it on herself to set him up for rape and murder this fucking bitch and then we have to remind everybody the stats of false rape reports.
1: Okay, I did a bunch of stuff here. So, okay. just a really quick little blurb. There was an article that I read for The Cut and I've got the sources, as always, in our episode notes on our website. It says, quote, one commonly cited figure holds that 5% of rape allegations are found to be false, but that figure paints a very incomplete picture. Typically, this figure comes from studies done on college students. An estimated 9 of whom do not report their assaults to police. Overall, an estimated 8-10% to of women are thought to report their rapes to the police, which means that at the very highest we can infer that 90% of rapes go unreported. Obviously only those rapes that are reported in the first place can be considered falsely reported, so that 5% figure only applies to 10% at most of rapes that occur. This puts the actual false allegation figure closer to 0.5%. So the stats on how often this is happening on this show really Mm -hmm. skews people's view yeah. on what it can be in reality. We've discussed it plenty of times, but if you were to replace false rape reports on the show with, say, being attacked by a shark, the show would just be like, shark attacks! attacked by sharks! It would just be <laughs> all about shark attacks. It'd be like the shark show. <laughs> and you'd be like, wow, people don't get attacked by sharks this much. This doesn't happen. Perspective-wise, okay, this is the exact same show, but people are also being struck by lightning at the rate in which it lines up with the amount of false rape accusations around the show. We would all also- I'll be watching like, oh, my God, people get electrocuted from the sky so fucking much. This happens (laughs) constantly. You have a higher likelihood of being killed by a rogue champagne cork than being falsely accused of rape. So sit down, Trevor. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Ugh. burn it to the ground.
0: Go to your local amendment store and purchase a... (laughs) Okay. Okay, where are we? In
1: Frank's interrogation room. In Frank's interrogation room, his lawyer
0: is going toe-to-toe with Cabot. They're negotiating his sentence. Frank says he'll give them Gloria for the deal they hashed out. Mm -hmm. Benson and Stabler just tell him, tell Cabot what he knows. He's like, okay, I killed Gloria's husband because Gloria told me to. She set him up. She called Frank that night and said Lawrence was crazy and Frank had to do it right now or Lawrence was going to kill her. He said he didn't do it for the money, but because she was afraid for her life. Lawrence knocked her and the kids around a lot, I guess. If he was out of the way, they could be together. She gave him the security code for the apartment and told him where the bat was and what to do with it after to also set up Kyle. But they can't prove any of this is the problem. Mm -hmm. Cabot needs something she can use to prove this or he's the only person that's going to jail for Lawrence's murder. She's like, Frank, dude, this equals this. This equals this. Yeah. He stops and he's like, well, I guess she's going to get away with it then because he doesn't have anything. Mm -hmm. In the squad room, Cabot tells him that nothing Frank said definitively points to Gloria. Munch had dumped the payphone from the deli. The other call she made was to Kyle's cell. They got to get Kyle to testify against Gloria. He's about to have all the charges dropped on him and be free since Frank is the real killer. Benson and Stabler are in Kyle's cell. They hand lawyer Trevor a file. They tell Kyle about Gloria's boyfriend, Frank. He doesn't believe them. Stabler tells him she set him up for murder. And Benson's like, dude, the weapon was your baseball bat under your bed. It was Gloria's idea. Stabler tells him that she's pregnant with Frank's kid, not his. They show him the results of the paternity test. Benson's like, there's no reason to protect her anymore. You cannot argue with DNA. Benson tells him that Gloria told Frank if he killed Lawrence, they could live happily ever after. She told Kyle that too, but Kyle couldn't kill his own dad.
1: At the end of the day, she just wanted fucking Lawrence dead.
0: Yeah. She only married him so that Kyle wouldn't testify against her. Benson asks what Gloria said when she called him that night. Kyle says she told him to leave and that she would take care of everything and they'd be together and that she loved him.
1: On the street, Gloria's getting out of a fancy car. Benson and Stabler are waiting by some bushes for her. And Stabler goes, hey, can I have your autograph? And his fucking sunglasses. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my God. I know. He looked like fucking Neo. (laughs) They're outside of a family planning place because bloop, she's going to get an abortion. Then Stabler waves someone over. It's Kyle. He gets out of a car and he's like, um, hey, babe. No. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Why is this guy, (laughs) Gloria, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, sweetheart, I told you why I can't have the baby. We agreed that this was the best thing for us. And he goes, well, you said it was mine, which proves we were having sex before I was 17. Hmm. Gloria goes, Kyle, this is for us. Kyle goes, no, it's not. I know this baby isn't mine. So if you want to kill it, go ahead. I don't care anymore. And I was like, okay, chill out. It's very, yeah, a lot of, a lot of drums here. Mm -hmm. Kyle keeps going and says, just tell me something. This whole time we were together, this whole year, was it all part of your plan to make me love you so I would do whatever you wanted? Because if it was, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to pretend. I already loved you, Gloria. I can't remember when I didn't. And I'm like, can we remind everyone that she came into the picture when he was fucking 10? Yeah. Gross. Uh-huh. Gloria says, I do love you, Cat." <laughs> <laughs> no Kyle, I do love you. Oh, my God. I do love you, Kyle. (laughs) Jesus. We're married. That's why I don't want to have another man's baby. Look. We're married. (laughs) Look, I only lied to you because I thought you were too young to understand. And it was my mistake. I will never let that happen again. And she's so,
0: such a fucked up thing to say. So (laughs)
1: gross. It's like you were old enough to be a part of like, fuck, of knowing your dad was dead to be married, to fuck a woman who could be your mom, but not old Ugh so she's crying and looks down and she's like because he's got a little fucking pirate scroll in his hand <laughs> and she's like what is that and benson's like um kyle wants a divorce actually it'd be an annulment because it's like a week later but yeah benson and stabler who are still standing there yeah watching the whole thing fucking and popcorn yeah just- <laughs> and she's like oh my god kyle you don't know what you're doing kyle as they start to arrest her and he goes no. I know exactly what I'm doing. Mom. Ew. Ew. <laughs> oh,
0: what a fucking way to end that. It's so fucking yuck. Gross. Yuck. Oh, oh yuck. That's a good one though. Oh, Toyota. So many, so Toyota. So, so many good people in this. Yeah. Fuck. Why do they choose to end it that way? Mom Mom. <laughs> I mean
1: I know exactly what I'm doing. Mom! <laughs> I mean, I really think it's to be like Hey, I know, but you tricked me into being like, oh, we're in love and we're married. No, you're an abusive, disgusting stepmom of mine. Ew. And now my dad's dead. Oh, where is Chloe? What's going to happen to Chloe? Oh, my God. What is going to happen to Chloe? (gasps) You know what? He's going to adopt her and raise his sister. Because he's 17. So he's like basically going to be an adult and it's going to be really hard at first, but he, there's they no all way. this
0: money, you know? And they
1: also have family that lives around because right now she's staying with an aunt and uncle. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe
0: he'll stay, he'll probably stay with them for a while and then they'll go on their own. Right. That's and what the happens. mom yeah. is a
1: therapist, which like works out great. Wait, the mom is a therapist. How do you know that? Oh, I, or did you just I made make that up. up. Oh. You know, because then he's going to come live with them and they're going to be like, wow, we really need to get these guys into therapy of their own. I know a really great children's therapist and um, a sexual abuse survivor's therapist. So Mm -hmm. they are, it's a long road, but they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, good ending. Okay. I think they'll be,
0: I think they'll, maybe they'll run into
1: Glenn. Oh, Glenn. You always go back to him. My heart for Glenn. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Doctor Norman Larzaleer was eating lunch at his dental practice in the early afternoon of March eighth, nineteen ninety one. When he heard something out in the hallway, he went out to investigate and found a man in a ski mask with a sawed off shotgun pointed directly at him. Whoa! Norman took off down the hall and made it into a room where he shut the door. The gunman was able to shoot through the door. <gasps> And Buckshot went all throughout Norman's torso. I read some things that said it went into his back and some that said his chest. Whatever it was, the door wasn't thick enough to be able to protect him from the shot. Norman's assistant, Emma Lombardo, and a patient waiting for their appointment witnessed the entire thing. Mm. Norman's wife and office manager, Virginia Larzalier, was there as well and sprung into action after the shooter took off out the side door. She's the one who made the initial 911 call. Mm. I'm going to play that for you. All right, After the call was disconnected... The operator called back and spoke with Emma, the assistant. Mm -hmm. The call was complete chaos. I think the first call kind of just gives you the idea of how hysterical she was. In the end, Norman didn't make it. He died as he was being med-flighted to the hospital. Right away, detectives were like, this looks like someone wants us to believe it's a robbery, but we don't think that's the case. I'm not sure what made them think otherwise, but they took note of the fact that Virginia was really pressing the robbery narrative. Apparently, the gunman had taken money and Valium from the safe. So every witness gave descriptions of the gunman. Virginia's description was the only one that was different and the only one that changed throughout pretty much every interview that she gave. On the Oxygen show, Snapped, in this case, because, Mm. yeah. I love that show. There's an interview with Detective Dave Gamel. He was great, but he said, quote, first he was short, then he was tall, then he was Latin and had a ponytail. It constantly changed. You know, honestly, at one point, I expected her to say it was the Kool-Aid man. Okay, Comedy. <laughs> Detective slash comedian, Dave Gamel. Emma and the patient that was in the waiting room told detectives that they heard some of Norman's last words, which were, Jason, is that you? Who's Jason? Who the fuck is Jason? Jason is Virginia's 18-year-old son. (gasps) Norman had adopted him when he was 12. Remember, the guy was wearing a ski mask, okay? Yeah. Not only did the other witnesses hear Norman say that, Assistant Emma swore that she also thought the dude looked just like Jason. She had known him for years and watched him grow up just based on his gait, his height, his build, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Virginia was the only one who disagreed. She also claimed that she did not hear Norman say that about Jason. And then later she said something to the effect of, oh, he was asking for him and we were talking about him like while he laid there. Mm-hmm. But again, the other witnesses were very clear on what and how they heard it. Yeah, Jason says that he was at a mall and also had a dry cleaning ticket timestamp to account for his whereabouts during the shooting. Okay. So these people were rich, like rich for the rich community that they were a part of. Yeah. They lived in a mansion. They had yachts, cars. They were fancy. A far cry from Virginia's upbringing. Virginia was born and raised in Lake Wales, Florida fucking florida dude Dude, it's yeah this is Mm -hmm. she was born in 1952 in an interview her son jason described where she came from as quote rednecky central florida when telling the story of growing up virginia says that she and her three sisters were physically emotionally and sexually abused by her alcoholic father and her sisters say that virginia took the worst of it to protect the others Mm. as a teen she married harry mathis and moved into a mobile home community with him basically to get out of her situation. Yeah. And that's when she had her firstborn son, which was Jason. Mm-hmm. So their relationship was volatile and, you know, not healthy and everything else, you know? Her, her and her son's relationship? Or you mean her, her, and, her, her husband, and her husband? Her and her okay. husband, Harry. Yeah. In 1975, Virginia told Harry that he needed to go help her cousin who was stranded on the side of the road with a broken down vehicle. So mm-hmm. Harry went out to find the car. Yeah. When he did, and he was, and this was nighttime, right? So he's approaching the car. Someone comes out of nowhere, shot him four times including in the head. What the fuck? Harry fucking survived. Whoa. At first, the cops were like, holy shit the wife set this up yeah for some reason after a little while harry decided not to pursue a case in the matter which doesn't seem like his call but he was like no i'm not going to cooperate i'm not going to say anything i'm just going to go on about my life with my family yeah they ended up divorcing two years later in 1977 okay in 1982 virginia married a florida highway patrol trooper so after these two had been married for a while The dude was out on duty when he got a call from his wife saying that someone had broken into their house. The husband went to investigate, but he must have called for backup because two other troopers showed up as well. Okay. One of them said that they were looking through the bedroom window while the husband was going to go into the house. They were looking through the bedroom window and saw Virginia sitting on the bed holding a gun. They said that it appeared she was waiting for someone to open the bedroom door. He didn't end up getting shot or whatever, but I, I don't know if the other people were like, hey, there's nobody in the house. Get out of the house. Don't go in the bedroom. She's sitting in there, whatever. Yeah. Or they like let her know they were outside. I don't know. They ended up getting divorced. She married again in 1983, two months before her divorce was finalized. And that marriage was annulled soon after. So she has a pattern of getting married. She has a pattern of being accused of some pretty sketch shit with her husbands. Okay. Yeah. Norman Larzelier was originally from Michigan. He and his wife had moved to Florida in 1980, which for some reason, Florida in 1980 feels just fucking peak Florida to me, you know? Yeah. So Norman and his wife moved to Florida and he started a super successful practice in Edgewater. He was known as a good dude, a good dentist, built a really successful practice for himself. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. He builds this practice. It's 1984. Virginia comes in for, I don't know, she needs to go to the dentist. She goes to Norman. Yeah. And whatever happened, happened. And Norman left his wife for Virginia later that year. They got married. They had two kids of their own. Virginia already had two kids jason and then she had another kid jessica Mm -hmm. when norman was killed the two youngest were five and 18 months or one if you need to get mad about shit that doesn't matter okay
0: yeah thank you for
1: saying um so norman adopted jason and jessica right In March of 1989, Norman had filed for divorce. He petitioned for full custody of the kids, including Jason and Jessica. Like I said, he had adopted them. Mm -hmm. He claimed that Virginia was a drug addict, a liar, a thief. She stole drugs from the practice, embezzled money. She'd actually gotten in trouble years prior for embezzling money from a different business that she was running. She fucked with money in the office. She was having multiple affairs. He just had a lot of beef with his wife. Yeah.
0: And at that time, that was peak Where's the beef?
1: (laughs) By October of the next year, he had dropped the petition for divorce and they became swingers it was said that the reason he agreed to do this was to keep his marriage together because she still wanted to fuck other people but she also wanted to be married to Norman which is fine too just mm-hmm. as long as everybody like feels okay about it I don't know I yeah everything I saw was like oh he kind of felt pressured into it whatever but then some other things I don't know you can read bias I read so many articles that I was like this is so bias in this way and this is so bias in this direction you know mm-hmm. um, over the course of their marriage Virginia had also taken out a a bunch of life insurance on norm oh. now that he was dead she was set to collect 2.1 million dollars start the investigating mm-hmm. detectives talked to so many people across the state of florida one of these people stephen heidel stephen was a pal of jason's who became a kind of odd jobsman for the Lazaliers. okay He'd get dry cleaning. Um, Jason had some sort of car accident and Stephen took care of him while he was healing. They ended up being roommates at some point. He was like a house manager for them pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. When detectives got to talking to him, though, he knew quite a bit. Stephen told police that on the morning of March 8th, he had gone with Jason to a storage unit that Jason had rented to get some life insurance papers. Mm-hmm. After Norm was killed, Virginia had another job for Stephen. Stephen, along with Kristen Palmieri, a receptionist at Norman's dental practice, mm-hmm. which for some reason in this fucking article I read was like, she was a little chubby. I fucking hate why <laughs> I do, For no reason. <laughs> it serves the story zero amount. Gross. But anyways, these two were sent by Virginia into the bathroom in her home, in her mansion, Mm -hmm. to wipe down the gun that was allegedly used to kill Norman and some other random handgun with muriatic acid to get rid of fingerprints. Then they put these guns in a plastic tote and filled it with wet cement. The next day, the two drove the solid block of concrete to dump it. Stephen told police all of this and then added that he had participated completely out of fear. He said, quote, She just had her husband killed. She wouldn't think twice about killing me, too. Yeah. And I mean, truer words. Yeah. The cops brought in Kristen Palmieri then for questioning, and she folded super hard almost immediately. This is a quote of her telling them about when they dumped the block of concrete. She said, quote, I took out my jack and spare tire and was making it look like we had a flat. I threw the cement container and guns over the side of the bridge, and it was about this time that I realized maybe Jason did kill his father. Jason said he had killed his his father for virginia he did not say why end quote later steven would testify that he was present when virginia told jason that jason would be getting two hundred thousand dollars for quote taking care of business okay on may 3rd 1991 <gasps> steven whoa 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 may 3rd 1991 yeah.
0: how old was i um, i was nine I
1: fucking yeah
0: this is all going on when i was nine years old that's fucking crazy i'm
1: sorry what on May 3rd, 1991, Stephen was able to lead detectives down Interstate 95 to Pelliser Creek by St. Augustine, Florida, like an hour or so from Edgewater. Sure. At the bottom of the creek, at Stephen's direction, they pulled up the block of cement. It took a dive team to find it under 10 feet of water and 6 feet of muck. That shit would have never been found. Yeah. Upon taking an x-ray, they found that the box was full of that gun and that <laughs> other gun. <laughs> it was full of gun. <laughs> Later traces of cement and shotgun shells were found in Virginia's house. Tests were done on the cement and it matched the Pellicer Creek box cement. Mm. I read somewhere else that it didn't match though. So that's don't quote me. Yeah. But there was a lot of evidence outside of that. A month after the murder of Norman Larzalier, Jason and Virginia were charged with first degree murder just in time, too. Because when the police picked up Virginia, her purse was stuffed with cash and gold and she was leaving. Jason heard there was a warrant out for him. So he was a lot easier and he turned himself in the next day. The judge Mm. awarded temporary custody of the kids to Norman's parents while Virginia was being held. June 3rd. Exactly. Okay, are we month. only doing yeah. the birthday thing once?
0: Well, fine. Okay. I mean, it's after, a month after my birthday, but I feel like everybody knows that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my God. Okay. God bless th- me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> On June 3rd, they entered their not guilty pleas. They were held without bail, and they both faced the death penalty. Mm. Here comes the trial. The trial of Virginia was First. Okay. Steven and Kristen became key witnesses for the prosecution. They were involved in the crime, so they weren't squeaky clean, but would be ideal. I mean, they fucking led them to the murder weapon. Right. They had so much knowledge of the inner workings of the events leading up to and following the crime. They considered them great witnesses nonetheless. You know, it was more than them just being like, yeah, they said this and this and that. They're like, hey, come with us and we'll find this thing that you would never have found. Yeah. Remember how Norm had caught Virginia cheating on him? Yeah. During their investigation, detective, talked to multiple dudes that Virginia had not only slept with over the course of her marriage, but also that she had tried to commission to kill her husband. Damn. Now, this is why I'm like, the story is fucking wild because everybody in it is a character. This is some Tiger King shit. Everybody has like some crazy ass backstory. Yeah. So one of the dudes that took the stand was a Californian country music singer named Norman Lee Karn. He tried to sell his testimony to the court for a cool half mill, but they were like, um, that's not how this works. <laughs> right. So he testified that she had tried to convince him to kill her husband for a new Harley with $20,000 stuffed in the saddlebags. Hmm. Another guy, Philip Langston, a Vince Vaughn-hided exotic animal and parrot collector, said that she floated the idea of killing Norman to him for fifty grand. Another thing that came up during the trial was the other witnesses testifying to Norm calling out Jason's name. Yeah. Apparently in response, Virginia put her mouth over his. She later said that she was giving him a kiss goodbye. This guy didn't die until he was in the air on a helicopter. Okay. She was giving him a kiss goodbye, but prosecutors believed it was to keep him from saying Jason's name. Oh, I just imagine the situation and she's basically covering his mouth to keep him from saying Jason is what they're alleging. Mm. Jessica, who was 14 during the trial, Virginia's second born slash Jason's sister testified Mm. that Virginia and Jason had a quote husband-wife relationship. This is her son. Yeah. Virginia is the mother of that stepson. Correct. This is her son by birth. That's all that Jessica said, but the media was already like piranhaing this entire case because it was salacious as shit. Yeah. She said that and didn't say anymore, but that took it and just through the media rumors yeah. went nuts that there was an ancestral relationship between them others said that their closeness was not that of a mother-son relationship so that mm. was a rumor that was never 100 substantiated but there was also an interview with a cop was it the lead detective it may have been the lead detective on the case that had said they were surveilling her house because she said that she was being robbed or some shit and the police saw them in bed together but didn't specify you know what was going on necessarily 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 Mm -hmm. february 24th 1992 it was a rumor but was it true i don't know nobody ever walked into their hotel room and jason yelled don't come in here i don't know that never happened yeah So I don't know. But there were rumors. That's why hearsay doesn't mean shit. Yeah. But also the prosecution like didn't feed this narrative either. I'll tell you about the lead prosecutor in a minute, but she kept it very straightforward. We're not here to fuck around with all this salacious bullshit. We're here trying somebody for first degree fucking murder. Right. On February twenty fourth, nineteen ninety two, after only one hour of deliberation, Virginia was convicted of first degree murder. There was a seven to five jury recommendation for the death penalty. She didn't even pull the trigger. Okay. Yeah. And the judge was like, seven to five, I like those odds, and agreed. Okay. Wow. So she was on she's put on death row. Right. Okay. Six months later, same evidence. Basically, the same exact situation was brought before a jury in Jason's trial. Flam dunk. JK. Jason was acquitted. Yeah. They could not prove by a reasonable doubt that Jason was guilty and he was 100% fully acquitted by. Wow. Have a good day. See you later. The difference was the defense more wild characters, okay? Virginia was defended by lead attorney Jack Wilkins. In short, he was full of vodka, cocaine, and meth while hiding tens of thousands of dollars from the government and banging the court reporter as he defended Virginia. Whoa. This guy wasn't even, he wasn't even, uh, this wasn't this guy's specialty even. Like, what are they doing? He spent less than $3,000 on her defense, called no witnesses or experts, and only spent one day on his defense. When they're like, hey, it's time for you to come up and talk, it can last weeks. Yeah. He's defending somebody for fucking murder one. Also, this lawyer, he was later convicted of 16 other felonies, including laundering drug money, income tax evasion, perjury and obstruction of justice. He went to prison for four years and resigned from the state bar. The 90s. What a rush. He had to resign? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: he could just get kicked off? Huh? Well, I mean,
1: I think that was How probably... How case not been dismissed because of well, this guy? Well, exactly. Right. Things happen because of that guy. But yeah. Wait, hold on. So they don't even
0: have... A... They don't even have a murderer. They don't even have the person that pulled the trigger and they're still
1: charging her with murder. Exactly. Wow. Weird. So for Jason's trial, he's like, um, no thanks, Jack. I'm going to get a different lawyer. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So Jason got defense attorney William Lasley. This dude didn't roll out of bed for any case that wasn't fucking murder one. It was his Mm -hmm. thing. He would be going up against the prosecutor that just got Virginia the death penalty. Same prosecution, Mm -hmm. right? Special prosecutor Dorothy Sedgwick. She was known for being a cold as ice, bad bitch. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's this um, he tells this little anecdote about when he was getting ready for the trial to start. I mean, he got the call from Jason and he's like calling fucking experts and witnesses and he's like we're gonna figure this out you're not going you're not going to prison Mm -hmm. um because he's like it's what i do and this bad bitch dorothy sedgwick is like um this is what i do so he's sitting there fucking lasley's sitting there he's waiting for the trial to start this prosecutor click clacks she approaches him and he's telling the story he goes she loved to get in your personal space she bent over was an inch away from me with her face And she said, I've won thirty-two straight capital cases and this is gonna be number Mm thirty-three. And then Lasley looks at her and goes, Get ready to be thirty-two and one. (laughs) Alex Cabot, who? Just kidding lastly was not only able to pick apart virginia's terrible representation he was mm. also able to cast a huge shadow of doubt that jason was even involved he had witnesses testify to Stephen heidel's violent temper greed irrational agitation the fact that he himself was probably the owner of the second handgun that was in the river remember when some other random gun was in there yeah there was like track to the fact that he had a gun like that in his possession at some point lastly believed that in actuality steven was was the shooter and not jason so what lasley's kind of strategy was putting the key witnesses on trial you know he's mm. like you're gonna believe this guy he's got right. something to lose here but then the detectives were like why would he lead us to the gun he was not even on our radar why would he lead us to the murder weapon both stories made sense too so mm. i mean this guy's just a really good fucking lawyer and he got jason fucking acquitted in 1999 Stephen heidel died by suicide it was his seventh attempt it's hard to pick apart like i said like i i I read a lot of articles that were so biased one way or the other so it's hard to really know what to believe but back to virginia initially she was sent to broward county correctional to the women's death row huh what (laughs) what she (laughs) sat on death row with eileen warnos oh shit allegedly the two did not get along at one point they even got into a physical fight and eileen ruptured one of virginia's fake titties Damn. Yeah. Eileen also referred to Virginia as Share. There was a lot of I think it was Virginia was talking about this. I didn't write this down, but talking about how like Death Row is the last stop. So the other women that were on Death Row also for super fucked up crimes were kind of like a little family that took care of each other, but she made a point to be like Eileen was not one of those people. Eileen mm-hmm was um she would like scream into the night like late into the night she would just sit in her cell and scream and fight people and snap at people and just do really she was not mentally well right i mean that just goes even more to the fact that it's like fucked up that she was executed one of the detectives even went and had an interview with Eileen to talk about Virginia cuz they're like well maybe Virginia told her some shit. So I'm gonna go have a little interview with Eileen. Like she set up the interview and then she mm-hmm. was pissed that he was there, you know, because she wasn't emotionally regulated at all. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So she ended up attacking him and, and that was a whole fucking thing. Yeah. In 2008, the Florida Supreme Court reduced Virginia's sentence to life. That was the best they could do because of her ineffective counsel Mm -hmm. so she went from being on death row to life in prison now today she's at homestead correctional serving life but continues to appeal jason is nobody knows he may have moved to europe he may be like nobody knows where he's at as far as today goes virginia has earned gain time for good behavior and is scheduled for release in august of 2034 so she'll be 81 wow what a crazy story i don't don't know how i have never heard that i know i hadn't either court situation oh i mean bananas i tried to keep it short i know this was pretty long and i was like i gotta keep this short but like they're kept being i'm like wait a minute what about her lawyer that guy was fucking wild it was just fucking crazy Hmm. crazy
0: shit all right next week it's season four episode three vulnerable Detectives hunt for the sadist who tortured a woman with Alzheimer's, investigating her nursing home as well as her scheming son.
1: Oof. Oof.
0: Oof, indeed. (laughs) What? Oof, indeed. Back to you, Tom. follow us on instagram at svu um email us at svupod at gmail.com join our facebook elite squad please because i love it so fucking much
1: can you please say it and say the right name so people know how to search it
0: what is it svupod especially heinous at <laughs> it's svupod it's SVU Pod elite squad on famous on facebook <laughs> damn it <laughs> It's SVU Pod Elite Squad and Facebook. and um,
1: Facebook. Join our Facebook group and engage with Gabe trolling me. That's what no. it is. No, she does other stuff. <laughs> Hashtag a little bit loud. Support small pods, indie pods. Hmm.
0: Little baby in the past. Join our Patreon. It's fucking awesome.
1: We have a Patreon. Some episodes are 10 minutes longer. Some episodes are 40 minutes longer. But we go off on a fucking tangents and jokes and da da da. Whatever you guys know. Yeah. If you want that, you'll be there by now. Uh, if you were home, you'd be here now. What? Oh, shut up. Love, <laughs> laugh, love game. <laughs> okay. Love you. Love bye. you bye.
0: Cut a Sailor's dong. <laughs> Toyota. That's it.
1: It's done. <laughs> My mom hates her you guys want to see my pube
0: that's gonna that's gonna mean the end of stuff now so if i'm gonna get photos to be like toyota
1: i had a hard time listening to that scene because i was like brennan's deli and then i just kept doing like you curly-headed fuck it's just like- <laughs> And a special thanks to our. Ew, why do I sound like that? I don't know. A special thanks to our Elite Squad patrons: Haley K and Sonia W, Jenny S, Sky K, Nikki B, Marissa M, Elky H, Sarah A and N-E-G, Mary D, Andrew, and
0: Rebecca D, and Marat W, Shelby W, Lex and Emily T, and Kayla W. <laughs> Mallory G and Eliza W, Bonita um,
1: yeah. R and Baron. Baron,
0: Vanessa Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G and Courtney W,
1: Ursula S, Emily a, Katrina C, Kate A, Chuyunga, Nicole R, Julia P. <laughs> I'm regretting
0: this. I know. Sapphire, Kayla, Al- Allison B, Shy. R, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Josh H, Emily L, Kelsey D,
1: Channa M, Tammy J, Sarah G, Crystal, Crystal and Lucy <laughs> M. Um,
0: we appreciate you. Thanks for making it possible for us to do this.
1: Thank you, guys. You the best. The best. Uh.
0: Okay. Bye.
1: Love you. Bye. Bye. <coughs> Jeez, you <laughs> All
0: right, wrap it up.